0: Conversations with Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. This is a music podcast. And speaking of music, that song that played me in is called Goals. It is by Supernova. And my guest today is Ellie Kim, who is Supernova. Ellie Kim does the entire everything, all of it writes it, sings it, plays it, mixes it, produces it, records it. And it's pretty incredible. And we go into all that in this conversation as well as Ellie Kim is from my neck of the woods. That's two in a row. Two guests in a row that were like from a town or two over from where I lived. Kind of crazy. Kind of weird. But it gives an interesting common ground to start with on both of those. The last one being Matt Malin of Skeletons. Um, And does it make me homesick? No. It makes me feel pain for my fellow northern... Northwest suburb Chicago people. Um, in the show notes are all things Ellie Kim and Supernova. Uh, please that buy that single. It's a great song. Ellie Kim's albums are great. Um, tons of social media. And what I really dig about Ellie Kim is they use um, Tumblr. Let's bring Tumblr back. I use Tumblr. Not like Ellie Kim uses Tumblr and many other people Tumblr is kind of, at least the stuff I follow, it's a nice quiet in the madness of social media. So that's why I think we should bring Tumblr back. Um, And speaking of the show notes, there's also all things Matt Dwyer, uh, my website. Uh, Unfortunately, with the Ellie Kim episode, there is not a lot of bonus Patreon stuff. Usually, I would say 98% of my podcast interviews go on for an hour and a half or more. I post an hour to two hours. The other stuff is all on the Patreon, the extra half hour, the unedited version, often video, blogs, all kinds of stuff. Go to thematdewire.com, become a Patreon subscriber. $5 a month gets you early release, full unedited videos of the conversation. Um, I I forgot to hit record of the video on this one because I was running late, real stupid. Um, But usually... Tons of, and go to the slash episodes. You can see all my past guests. I've had a lot, a lot of guests. Um, boy, like off the top of my head, Wayne Coyne from The Flaming Lips, Lou Barlow, Jen Wasner, Mama Larky recently. Uh, tons, tons, tons. I have over 300 episodes. So go, and you can go back and listen to some of the Patreon if you go to join Patreon. And there is some free stuff on Patreon, by the way. Some of my part twos. uh, My Kid Congo is part two is up there for free. I might have released that as a podcast too. Anyway, it doesn't matter. And if you can't afford to become a Patreon subscriber, but you love the podcast, just tell people about it. Please, 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 please. And if you need a website, you can go to KellyRDeWire.com. She does websites aplenty. Um, all right. I think that's it for my intro. Ellie Kim of Supernova. Really great music. And I really, this conversation is really interesting and fun. So please enjoy. Oh!
1: I grew up kind of like um suburbs of Chicago. I know people in Chicago get like very uh particular like oh Chicago versus suburbs but um yeah, suburbs of Chicago. I lived in the city of Chicago um for 8 years before I moved last year.
0: Yeah. So, what suburb because I'm a suburb person.
1: Oh, um it's uh, West Dundee, which is right next to Elgin. Elgin is usually the bigger one. People oh, yeah.
0: Know. I went to summer yeah. school in Elgin, which... Did you? Oh, my gosh. I didn't do well in normal school.
1: <laughs> <laughs> where did you grow up? What, what suburb did you grow up in? Don't, don't get jealous. Uh, Streamwood? Yeah. Streamwood, you Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, I know where Streamwood is. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it was... I don't know what it was like or is like now, but when I was a kid, Streamwood was
1: uh, garbage. Was it? It was. I don't. Know. I mean, where I grew up wasn't that great either. So
0: yeah, and yeah. I, I, I got the shit kicked out of me a lot. It was very angry white trashy mm. when I was a kid, and mm. I, I, I got beat up a lot.
1: Frankly, yeah, uh, it's the worst. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I mean, I, I was. I mean, I just being Asian, I mean, I got picked on and beat up all the time when I was a kid. Where I grew up, it was like a similar thing. I was the only non-white person in my school for like the first eight grades. Yeah, so I hear you.
0: That's good. Kind of, I mean, <laughs> I there. yeah, I I kind of rem- I think you know I think because I got picked on so much, I think I had empathy for the other outsiders. But it was mostly a white school, and once in a while, someone. Of you know, a various color would come in, and it was, I mean, it was just, I don't know, my heart broke because I know I,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wasn't I, I I haven't been back in a long time, but I mean, the last time I went back, which was a while ago, I think this was right before Trump got elected, and it was like Trump country, you know, and it was just like Trump flags everywhere, and like, I'm like, oh, this lines up perfectly with what I remember growing up, so
0: yeah, that's all the guys who beat me up in high school, all. They all stayed in Streamwood, which is just like. I'm like you had no curiosity, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Checks out, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's like when I read they were Trumpers, I was like, yeah, of course, yeah,
1: yeah, it makes sense,
0: yeah. What, do what, I'm just curious if like for because I fled to the city as well, and I found a community that was where you know I I started hanging around Second City in high school, so that was sort of mm. my. Sp- 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 like a community that i was like oh we're all weird and we're cool about
1: it (laughs) yeah for sure yeah oh chicago was way better i mean i I, you know it was it's definitely i mean it has its own issues but it's obviously a bubble of the midwest and yeah i I had a i think that the indie music scene in chicago was one of the best in the country and that's definitely where i found most of my community and then also just you know there's a lot of like queer asian queer poc groups in chicago so yeah it was i mean it was it's night and day yeah it's so much better
0: yeah Boy the music scene Just doesn't stop there It's really I wasn't obviously A part of it But I was adjacent And a lot of my friends Were involved in it And it was mm-hmm. I don't know It's just It's always been miraculous To To watch Because it Always seems to be thriving And Going forward It doesn't seem stuck Like mm-hmm. Is that Yeah
1: what you... When did you move
0: uh, To Los Angeles uh, I moved to New York For a while and uh, oh, okay. And then I went I my all my friends in New York got uh successful and then became, insuff- okay. they became insufferable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of those here, yeah. I, I I find it funny. Have you ever been to Los Angeles or thought about moving here? Yeah.
1: Well, I okay, so um I joke that I like half grew up in Los Angeles cause my extended family all lives in Los Angeles area. Um, well they live in Huntington beach, found Valley. Um, and so we used to go there to LA like twice a year growing up. So I, I like, I'm pretty familiar with Los Angeles, like as familiar as you could be as someone not having lived there. So like, yeah, I know LA like sort of well. Um, but yeah, I never full on lived there, but yeah. Do you like it? Um, I like, I like things about it. I think when I was a kid, I liked it more. I mean, okay. Here's the biggest thing is like, I hate, hate, hate driving. <laughs> and like, I know everyone, every time I say that someone from LA, was like, Oh, I lived in LA. I never had a car. You could get around with the car. I'm like, you can, you can, but I'm like, it's so much harder than in Chicago or New York to get around without a car. And like, it's very car centric and I love winter and fall are my favorite seasons. You don't really get that in Los Angeles. Like the biggest drug LA, I think for most people, other than like, you know, if you're doing it for work, like music or acting or whatever is like the weather, right? Like, Oh, it's sunny every day. And, and like, for me, that's not really that big of a draw. And then it's also like just somewhere in New York, is super expensive. And all this stuff. I mean, I love that the, it's like, I mean, culturally, you know, music is so huge. I mean, the music industry lives in Los Angeles. I mean, that's like almost definitively like the center of the music industry in the United States is Los Angeles. Like, culturally, you know, it's as diverse as New York. You know, in fact, for Asian people, more Asian people, I think the majority of Asian people in America live in the state of California. Like, the state of California has like 60% of Asian Americans. Like, I think it's just in the state of California. So, like, that's cool. And I like that. But, um, but yeah other than that I mean I, I it's like good and bad. But I yeah. thought
0: New York was going to be it for me. I thought it was going to be like this dream world and I felt like it just clobbered
1: me. I'm we- mm. I, I guess I'm weaker than you. <laughs> uh, uh, oh no. <laughs> no not at all. It's it's complete circumstance like um uh i my partner she got into a fellowship program at columbia and so she was moving to new york and she was like you could move with me and she gets like subsidized housing through her school and all this stuff so i was like okay well i've, n- I've never lived outside of chicago so i was like oh well, this would be a nice opportunity to just like live anywhere else and obviously new york is a pretty cool place to, to do that um and so i'm just here for two years while she does her program um so yeah that's like it's literally just life circumstance it was not a lot of people like reached out to me when i moved. They're like, oh my god. I'm to new york like this this and this like it's for your career i'm like no it's really not i just i had nothing happened i didn't get like any like big opportunity or anything i just i just moved here because of a life circumstance and i i'm not sure how long i'll be here for you know after two years but um so yeah it was kind of like luck but um uh but i can see why a lot of people why it's such a transient city you know like a lot of people are only here for brief periods of time for so many reasons that i can see why but honestly if I, if I had tons of money if i was like you know money was an option i would probably live in new york but i think like the cost of living and everything i think is just wears you down and then like just the grind of the city but also depends on what you do right like if you have to commute it a lot, or you're doing certain jobs, it's worse than other things. You know, if you're just a music producer in your bedroom, then it's not quite as bad. But yeah,
0: yeah, it was. Uh, it just seemed like I couldn't, I couldn't go get a cup of coffee without blowing twenty dollars. Like it just seems like money yeah. just
1: flew out of my pocket at all oh, times. Oh, it's so, it's so expensive to live here. Yeah, if it wasn't for. This very specific circumstance. I mean, I, I could I couldn't l I could not afford to live here on my own, hands down. I mean I'm sitting in one bedroom with my partner. She got subsidized housing. We also got a pandemic deal. We moved last year. So we got like lower it was like historically it was still like super expensive compared to anyone else but like it was like you know pandemic deal and then i'd also saved up like i'd worked two jobs before i moved so like i'd saved up a bunch of money so like i was like living off of some of the savings i'd saved up we would both saved up so it was like and we knew we were going to be here for a limited time so we kind of like budgeted and what not and like we're both pretty frugal in general so like we're not going out like you know neither of us drink neither of us like really go out see stuff like that's so like you know i just make music at home that's like what i do 99 percent of my day so um so yeah but I, I totally agree with you like we were shocked like you come here everyone always says like it's so expensive it's so expensive but like you don't realize you move here like literally everything is expensive the <laughs> groceries are more expensive the utilities are more expensive like the tra- public transit is more expensive like everything is so, and just you don't think about it and like, you're like oh it's a couple, dollars more, a couple dollars and it totally adds up and then you're just like oh my god you know but
0: yeah that was yeah. and i was lucky because i had cheap rent But I was still like I was like I think it was like 31 Mm -hmm. And I was just like Fuck this is too much Like I felt like I was Back to square one Where I was like This is what I should have been doing When I was 20 This was a big Fucking mistake
1: (laughs) I feel that But I Yeah I don't know I feel like at any age though It's like It can be tough Like yeah. yeah. I don't know. But yeah, again, it boils down to like, you know, like I said, if I was a millionaire, I had a trust fund or something, I would totally live here, <laughs> yeah. you know, but, but no, no problem. But yeah, if you have to, yeah. Exactly. There's
0: that sort of saying where everyone should live in New York and I'm like, I'm glad I lived there. I'm glad I experienced it. Cause I think there, mm-hmm. that would have always too been a thought in my head of like, should I've gone to New York? But now I know like, mm-hmm. I couldn't get out of there fast enough.
1: <laughs> was, it, was it other things was it, or like, it sounds like it was like You said the money And then like some other It was w- like What else
0: Well it was money And I was like <laughs> You may relate to this Or may not But like,
1: I had to I had
0: like Three or four things Going all at once To to maintain like Money And it was like Sort of like yeah. Oh I do this thing on Tuesday uh-huh. So I'll have a money For to get through Tuesday <laughs> it was like, Right Like it was just That sort of <laughs> endless cycle and right. my friends, a couple of my friends got TV jobs there And their egos went bazook, bazooka oh, yeah. So they started trying to tell me how to deal with my life And I'm like, you're just on TV, dude Like you, you're not a yeah. fucking Buddha or something <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah, after like one gig, yeah
0: Yeah, and it was like, so that, I felt like cramped Like I couldn't do anything And I just felt like for what I was trying to do, it was a limited space. Like I just was like, I'm yeah. eventually I'm going to have to leave, so right. I might as well just cut to the chase. And and at the time, Los Angeles was a lot cheaper.
1: Right. It's not anymore. Not yeah, too. I was say, now it's pretty comparable, depending on where you... I mean, there's places you can find that are cheaper, for sure, but, like, o- overall, it's, like, pretty comparable, yeah, I think. Yeah, we moved outside
0: of Los Angeles five years ago and live in the San Gabriel okay. Valley, which was okay. initially cheaper, and, but now everyone's been scrambling out of the city, so it's, like, it's just a one big fucking
1: nightmare. <laughs> right, I've heard. Oh, my God. Do you think about okay. going
0: back to Chicago when this is all done, or do you... are you open...
1: I'm, I'm open to, I have like no, it's literally like blank slate. Like, I have no idea. Like, I'm open to whatever, anywhere I can like comfortably do music and not be broke. And, <laughs> you know, like there's some semblance of a scene, which Chicago definitely had, you know, I'm, I'm open to going back to Chicago. I mean, you know, LA might be cool too. I mean, LA's on the table, obviously, because music is there and, you know, whatnot. And, um, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, New York would be cool if, you know, we'd, we'd have to move out where we live now, but like somewhere in New York, well, okay. Well, here's the other thing I love about New York that like, you can't get almost anywhere else is that like, even now, even post pandemic, like it still truly is like the, you know, city that never sleeps. Like, you, like I, I have someone who's always had like trouble sleeping. And so like, I feel like the silence at night really like creeps me out. Like it just makes you feel even more alone and isolated. At least just for me. <laughs> and so like, I like people always complain about this. Like, Oh, it's so loud. It's so loud all the time. Like you hear like sirens and noise and street. Noise. I love that. It's been, I sleep like a baby here cause it's like, it makes me feel at peace. I'm like, Oh, I'm in a world like with people, like I'm in a community, like, you know, and, and if I, if I can't sleep, I can walk out and like, you know, not, and not everywhere in New York, obviously, but like, you know, where I live, you, you can kind of walk out and there's like, couple people here and there at any time of day, you know, it's like most parts of Chicago and even Los Angeles, like, you know, the city closes at night, like, you know, other than maybe Friday night in a downtown or like a busy area, like, you know, yeah. most people where you live, it's like a neighborhood, like you go out, it's dead at 3am, you know, whatever. So I love that about New York. Um, but and the transit obviously, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see again. It's like, uh, wherever life takes me, I suppose. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I'm you was music something cuz i read you started playing guitar at 8 which by the way i watched yeah. a video of you playing this morning and of course you can fucking shred
1: <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah i've been playing for a while yeah uh and you uh, i'm sorry oh no sorry what was the what was the question oh
0: i just was curious because it's uh, uh, was because you grew up in you said east dundee right yeah i don't know i feel like in those worlds you if you don't fit in, like I didn't, like you find mm-hmm. modes of escape and was it immediately a mode of, uh, uh, escape for, yes.
1: yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Like classic story. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I always tell people not in all seriousness, I'm not sure if I'd be here if it wasn't for music, you know, it, it was definitely something that kept me going. It was like a solace through, you know, a uh, shitty childhood and like you know like a source of like pride too because was something i could do But well. i wasn't really that good at most other things growing up You know, i wasn't really good at sports i wasn't really that good at school at the time and um it was like the first thing i did i'm like oh i'm like not terrible at this and um in addition to like having music that just made me feel better and like you know just felt like you were anywhere else but where you were right like you can kind of just drift away and um um in a, in a relatively healthy way right um and uh so yeah, absolutely. That was, that was definitely part of it. Did you, cause I,
0: I relate to that and it's like, I kind of mm. bumbled around and had that period where I was like, I guess I'll try running track and was quickly like, M- my legs are too short. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like I just, like I was trying to do what everybody else did and I was like this. And I, so when you find did you, was it like a definitive moment where you were like, Oh fuck, like I found something magical for
1: me? um I, yeah I don't know if it was that deliberate necessarily maybe it was I don't know it was just something that like definitively like I did it every single day from like the, when I started playing to like through high school through college to studied music in college like I played guitar every single day I don't think I I don't think there was a single day like if I went somewhere I took a guitar with me I don't think there was a single day I didn't play guitar for like 12 year 12 plus year straight um so it wasn't even like a uh, I, sh- I should do this it's just like this is what i do like i just i just did it without thinking and like i definitely think that's definitely a part of me like personally like i always tell people my hands are smarter than my brain like my like if i, if I can do something with, like physically i'll remember it better than if i like have to intellectually think about it some people are the opposite right They you like think through it first and understand it to learn it i'm the opposite like if you try to explain it to you verbally like i'll never remember it but if i can like physically do it um i'll definitely remember it and i feel like it was also on that level too like emotionally like it was just something i did i didn't think about this as meaningful to me just like i did it you know
0: was there an immediate emotional connection to playing for you
1: uh, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. I think from the first time I played the first song I, well, I started cause like a couple of f- friends from school got guitars. And then, so like, I was like, Oh, cool. Maybe I should try that. And then Thankfully, like my family, my mom had this like old guitar that she brought over from Korea. My parents are Korean immigrants from Korea. It was like an old non-string. And so like, they didn't have to buy me one, um, which they probably wouldn't have. (laughs) And uh, so I got to play on that. And yeah, the first song I played was Brain Stew by Green Day. (laughs) oh wow yeah yeah and um yeah i was like able to do it and i was like oh shit this sounds like the thing (laughs) and like you know and it was like pretty cool and it's like also like a dark moody song and you know they were popular at the time um and uh even though pop punk's getting a resurgence now it's kind of funny i was you know like pop punk had this huge wave and then it died completely and now it's like popular again but um uh but yeah so yeah definitely it was um yeah, that from the first moment it was pretty pretty exciting. You, so you said that your parents
0: probably wouldn't have bought you a guitar. Did, were they kind of hesitant about you going pursuing music?
1: I was okay, they definitely would have been I was a smart, industrious child and I was able to, to skew it like this to help me get into college type thing. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you know. So, you know, they they um, they're definitely, they were definitely like the traditional Asian immigrant parents, you know, They're very, very about, they were strict, very about education. You know, I, I didn't have it the worst. Um, then I, you know, I had some friends that I met later who had like parents who literally would like, like, not only like we won't buy you a guitar, like if you try to do, like I had a friend who I met who is um, had Asian parents and she was like a graphic designer and she's like my parents would like throw away my colored pencils and pens like to prevent me from ever doing art like I couldn't even do it at home for practice I didn't want me to ever fall in love with art to do that instead of like science law medicine whatever um and so my parents weren't quite that bad but they were they were like the typical you know they were not happy um about about it in general and it was only because it was going to help me like to get into college or for school or whatever that they that They um, were okay with it, honestly.
0: That's interesting because it's similar to my world, but my world was more like we don't do that. Like you, like do you, well, mm. you think you're better than us? <laughs> <laughs> Your family, yeah, like, like yeah. working class families. They're like when I said I want to go into theater, they were like, "What?" Like it was mind melting.
1: Like, yeah,
0: <laughs> and it was like I had to seriously sit my mother down and be like, "Okay." Like I, it was like, I was breaking some seriously bad news to
1: her. Oh yeah. Oh my God. I mean, it was the same. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, yeah, it's It's Yeah. It's yeah. It sounds like another side of the same, but a similar mindset. And um, yeah, I mean, that was also, that was also another element too. Like my parents were like, Oh, you know, like there's no musicians in our family. And, you know, they had that old olden days mindset of like, you know, if you're not famous, you're a failure, right? Like they didn't have this concept of like indie music or being an indie musician. Like there's so many musicians who make a living who aren't household names, but they're just, you know, they have a career cause they found their demographic, you know? Um, and so like that concept was completely unknown to them. So, and which is actually funny that they would say that cause my, my dad's side it, they're all they were all professional athletes, including my dad. So I was like clear, like muscle memories in our family. I was like, music isn't that far off from sports. You know, it was funny. I didn't get the sports. I, I guess it turned into music, but, um, uh, but yeah. So anyways, yeah. So I, I, I hear that too. I, I definitely heard some, or something similar to it, I guess we're not the exact same thing, but
0: yeah. Did you feel like a need to prove that to your folks? Like prove it? Like, yeah, like I'm going to do it or
1: like, or do you still have that a little bit where you're like trying to please them is that mm, i mean i did for a long while for sure i mean there's like other elements i don't know if you've like read my bio but i've had a very circuitous path to music um to say the least i know but, you um, went to medical school as well yeah i went to medical school so like that was definitely part of it and again like the only i, so I studied music in college and the only reason i was able to convince them to be okay with that was uh, I told them that it was music degrees are favored by med schools, which they are actually. Oh, really? Um, I didn't know. Yeah, that. yeah. What is so the connection have, there? Uh, it's so, and this makes perfect sense to me now, having gone through it. Um, they're very similar fields, right? Because being a doctor, a medical doctor, being a musician both require you to perform at a high level under pressure with no room for redos, right? Like you're on a stage, you mess up, you messed up, right? Like you kind of have to practice to perfection obviously the stakes are a little bit lower depending on what you're doing but like it's a similar concept right like i I would say my classmates in music school worked as hard or harder than my classmates in medical school like in terms like how much you practice and how how dedicated you are to your craft and how much you care about being like the best or getting better and things like that and so i think those skills that mentality translates really well to medical school um so yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. I, I think they're almost like the same field in a lot of ways. And you get a lot of musicians in med school too. A lot of doctors were former musicians. That's wild. I never. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it's one of those things that you don't. Isn't intuitive, but then you think about it. At least when I thought about it, it made sense. Yeah, it does. Um, but uh, but yeah. Anyway, so that was the cover. But then eventually. Um, you know, like, yeah, like, kind of like what you said, like a combination of factors, like the pressure for my parents to actually go to medical school. I was getting a little bit burnt out for music because it's kind of tough, you know, in general. Um, like I had just like I I didn't come out till later. So like I but by the end of college, I knew that I was trans like or like kind of started to realize and i was like oh i'm probably going to come out and i just had so much internalized transphobia at the time i was like well because i'm going to come out because i'm trans because i'm this like really terrible thing you know this is my mindset at the time obviously i don't believe that anymore but because of like this really lowly thing i should do i need to do something really magnanimous to make up for this deficit in my character of being trans you know um and you know like i believed all those things that at the time well, still today, people believed about trans people that they're like insane or like, you know, like, you know, whatever, like mentally ill and like can only amount to nothing but being like poor, destitute and homeless and all these things. <laughs> um, like, and not to say that that's inherently a character flaw, but, you know, like that was the, the limited scope of what trans people could be in the eyes of society back then and still to a lot of people today um and so i was like well i couldn't do i can't do that as a musician i have to do that at something else and so that was part of why i was like okay maybe i should just do this and then um yeah like also just like race was a part of it too like like you know again where i grew up i was the only asian person i got bullied relentlessly for being asian so like i naturally unfortunately internalized all of that that like oh being asian is like not as good as being another race and that like i never really saw asian people in music so i was like okay well that's just not something people who look like me get to do you know um and so like I had internalized all those things. So I was like, Oh, maybe I will, I won't ever make it because I'm Asian and I'm going to be trans and all these things. And so, um, and then the pressure from my parents. And so all this coalesced. I was like, I ended up just going to medical school, but then, um, like two years in, I realized, uh, I was like, Oh, I actually don't like this. <laughs> 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 and so, um, and then also I, like, I just came out, I started transition like med school is because med school is so tough and grueling it's very common. Most med school, almost every med school program I know allows you to take like one to two years off to do like literally anything. Like you could do research, you could get a different job. Some people like just travel the world and come back to take a break and then just like finish it out, finish up the last year or two. Um, and so that's what I did between my third and it's four years. So between the third and fourth final year, I took a year off and that's when I started supernova. Um, that's when I like really like came out and transitioned like formally, um, and then, yeah, I realized that I I wanted to do this instead, and I was gonna just drop out completely, but uh, I was like, I'm already in a lot of debt, <laughs> and so I was like, I already did I I have a lot of I have a lot of school debt, and I already did three of the four years fourth year of med school is the relatively easy one. Like the three years are the worst. So the fourth, I mean, they're all pretty hard, but the fourth year is the less hard one. So I was like, I might as well finish it just in case something happens. Like I need this degree for something. There's not a lot you can do with it other than be a doctor, but you know, like you could do research, you could do consulting or something. So I was like, what if something happens? Like I break both my wrists or something, or like, you know, like i end up hitting music. So I was like, I might as well do it. I'm already in the debt. So I finished the fourth year, graduated, didn't go to residency, which is like the part where you like, get your licensure. So I have a medical degree. I'm technically a medical doctor. I have MD after my name, but I can't legally practice unless I did a residency, which I didn't do. I just went back into music, which I've been doing for the past two and a half years. Um, and yeah, I just worked a day job. Um, and then up until last year where I finally could make enough money from music to kind of do this without having to have a day job. And so that's what I do now. But can you write prescriptions? I can't See, that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) You know, it's, it's everyone's first question. Can you prescribe me fill in the blank? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I could be a hack on that moment. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good question. No, I can't. So I, I first prescription and I have to get a license, um, and I would have to do at least one year residency, which I didn't do. So, and I don't know. You know so
0: I did. I read that you music helped you transition, or did you, do you? Is that also would you say a changing point in the way you approached music as well? Was there is there any sort of connection to? I don't know, like change in style or anything like that? Or am I really
1: grasping for a question here? (laughs) Oh yeah. No. Um, Oh, sorry. What was the The music helped me?
0: What was it? I read that you, during transitioning, you were writing a lot and playing and like that it helped you transition. And I was curious if like, there was also musical sort of changes that came with that.
1: Yeah. Um, Right, so definitely, uh, I before I started Supernova, I had never really written songs ever in my life. Like I played music my whole life, but I was always just a guitarist. I played in band, tons of bands. I never wrote songs. I rarely sang, um, and so. Uh, I wrote songs for the first time when I was coming out, and they were just kind of as therapy for myself to like process my emotions. And I wasn't planning on showing them to anyone or like releasing them. I mean, and but eventually a friend saw them, and he was like, Oh, these are really good. You should, you know, put them up on band camp. I'd never heard of band camp at the time, but I was like, No, I was like, No one wants to hear this crap. And so, you know, I didn't, he's like, No, no, you should do it. You should do it. And so finally, I, I did, and that became Splendor Dysphoria, my first album. Um, and, uh, to my I surprised it really well, uh, or at least at the time, because, uh, that year Bandcamp camp ran this like fundraiser for transgender people, trans artists. Um, and so everyone was searching for trans artists on that day to support it. So like mine was like one of the top on that day. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so it just kind of rolled from there. But, um, but to, to go back to the original question, yes it definitely helped me to come out both in the sense of like the songs themselves were like therapy and then also like kind of what we talked about before like music kind of helps you escape it like kind of makes you feel like you're somewhere else that you're somebody else you know even and so you there's some safety in being like singing about something and being a performer versus just being a person you know almost like a testing ground and so you know as i was like coming into this art as supernova and making this music and starting to perform it live you know kind of just like made me more comfortable with like being this artist i created in a sense and um you know like also just practically society gives a lot more license for artists and performers to be more free in their expression of who they are um, than they do even regular people. Um and so yeah it was definitely a lot a cushion and definitely a safe a safe place for me when I was coming out and exploring identity, gender, sexuality, all that stuff.
0: That's really wild. And I yeah. I that's all I had because I was I, I was moved.
1: <laughs> oh. oh good I wish it's very
0: beautiful. And but what Thank I'm you. also amazed by is what why did you not think of writing there's two things that kind of stunned me because you're just like mm-hmm. you didn't think of writing songs before then or singing and I'm like you have such a great voice like I'm just like oh thank you and uh like soul like i mean like in the tradition of soul like there's just a lot i love your voices so i'll just say that thank you <laughs> thank you you could see my streamwood ill
1: inarticulate
0: uh, abilities coming.
1: <laughs> i love it no just 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 pure plain uh, just get the message across i like it um I like, uh, yeah, no, I, so it's like, you know, the thing, like, again, like I'm um, internalized transphobia at the time, like, I was like, no one's going to want to hear, you know, a feminine looking person with a masculine voice. Like that's just going to be so weird. You know, like, obviously I don't, you know, I, I don't think I anymore, but you know, and like that was the internalized transphobia at the time I had. And, um, and then also growing up just, I just had super low self-esteem overall just growing up because of like growing up where I did and, you know, not having the best, like a super supportive family and all that stuff. Like, uh, yeah. So it was like, it was all of that, but thankfully, you know, all of that kind of, I learned to work through that as an adult and, you know, so it's, it's definitely helped and music too, was definitely a part of it.
0: Did you, when you first started writing the songs and, and they were, even though they were therapeutic, were you singing them yet or did it take you a while to have the, Cause singing, I've done it publicly, not well, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I know that, I know the vulnerability that comes with that. And I was curious how that felt.
1: Mm. Uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe because I was already used to the stage, like performing in general is a little bit easier. Um, and then, I mean, it was definitely for sure. It was, it was scary and I was definitely very nervous, but, um, it was also kind of like the same time I was like coming out and transitioning and like, that was, that was way scarier, <laughs> you know? So I was like, uh, like I feel like that was the other blessing in disguise of like, coming out and transitioning especially during this time running time really um but is that like you're i'm already living this life that's so outside of what most people consider to be normal or okay that i'm like why would i care once you get over that you're like who cares what else people think like people are right, most of the world already thinks that i'm wrong that i'm like a freak or whatever you know so like it, it helps you get over anything everything else seems like you know, small potatoes compared to it, relatively. So and then also Chicago, like we said, had a super awesome, super welcoming, very queer friendly DIY scene. At least the part of it I was part of. There's parts of it that are not queer friendly for sure, but part of it I was part of was super queer friendly. So yeah, I, I felt very welcome and at home there. Yeah, that's the
0: uh... There's a lot of meathead bullshit in Chicago, and it really is upsetting.
1: Yeah, 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 Midwest, but yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean,
0: I would, Illinois is pretty dreadful. Like, I'm sorry, people from Illinois, but without (laughs) Chicago, it's Indiana. And nothing against people from Indiana, but let's just say there's a lot of rednecks in both. (laughs) And Chicago is just a lot of fucking white frat boy bullshit I uh, just I couldn't take like yeah. I can't take yeah. I can't take that vibe and I worked in bars a little bit and yeah, I also got beat up by some of those guys <laughs> <laughs> this
1: is trauma continues yeah
0: <laughs> I think like I was talking to a friend about this the other day is it's just like mm-hmm. once you become that person a little bit it's hard to shake like w- when you've gotten your ass kicked a couple times for just being who you are, you start kind of, I think having a vibe for a while until you, you figure out how to shake it. And I seem, yeah, I seem sure. to attract uh, big muscly white guys who wanted to pick on me. Oh <laughs> <laughs> God. Yeah. I, I just, uh, yeah. yeah <laughs> I, it's, 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 yeah, it's, and I romanticized Chicago for a long time, but then I, sometimes I'd go back and end up in that, those parts of Lincoln Park, and I'd just be like, "Oh, fuck off!"
1: Yeah, <laughs> I know. I mean, there's a lot of, like everywhere. You know, there's a lot of great parts. It's a big city. There's a lot of yeah. great parts, and definitely some of the best. There's my thought of amazing people that I will that I still keep in contact with that I'll cherish forever, and I, I might even live back there someday. But like, yeah, there's definitely plenty that are not. You know?
0: <laughs> not yet. Um, I didn't mean to go down that yeah. road too hard, but I was interested. I hear you. I, I know you play yeah. a lot of you play jazz as well did you intermingle
1: mm-hmm. with the jazz scene in Chicago at all? No, I didn't. Um, and, uh, I'll tell you why. So I studied jazz in college, jazz guitar performance. It's like, you know, the only really guitar thing you can study other than I guess, classical music, um, which I, you know, wasn't for me. Um, I, uh, so yeah, I, I loved jazz at the time. You know, it was the thing I could do in high school. I liked jazz band. I liked jazz music overall, but, you know, I just, there's so many reasons I left Chaz and it's because a couple reasons. One, it's like, it used to be this very organic art form, right? Um, like from the people, from, from Black people, from Black Americans and um, obviously expanded beyond that, but created by and founded by Black musicians in America. And, um, you know, it's become this very, rigorous academic stodgy stuffy elitist art form like yes there are some places where it's not like that but largely across the country you know it's like again you can get a phd in jazz right like it's like that's like as ridiculous as like not ridiculous but like at the time like getting a phd in like hip-hop which you probably do someday in some places you know but i feel like it just it it just it's very different from what it used to be. Also, you know, like I am very much about like moving forward and progress and like, just like not dwelling on the past. And I feel like things like classical music, especially jazz music, it's just like, I love that form. and there's the vestiges that will live on forever, but like in its pure form, like learning like a rote memorization of like a Cannonball Adderley song and just like playing it in 2022. I feel like it's like, okay, well, Cannonball Adderley was amazing, but like why, like let's move on you know like i feel like you know we're just like beating it over and over and again it's like again this elitist thing that's like in like lincoln center and these other places and like in academic centers and also being been usurped also by people who are not black like there's obviously a lot of amazing black musicians and black faculty but a lot of the faculty and jazz musician uh, uh academic centers are white you know and i'm not saying that like you know, it can't be used by other people who aren't black, but I mean, it just becomes something totally different. And even within the culture itself, it's just so like my classmates, like, some of them are cool, but like, they were just like so they all went to like super like elite prep schools and they studied jazz with these teachers who were like 200 dollars an hour lessons and like you know are super cutthroat And always about being the best And if you like played like a pop song they like rolled their eyes like oh my god like this like reductive basic crap and like you know like like oh like you use the blue scale oh wow you know what i mean like it was like so cutthroat and so unnecessarily like elitist and like um you know if you weren't listening to like even if you listen to some even if like i listened to like some of the like Charlie Parker and some like, oh, you listen to Charlie Parker? you're not listening to this like modal, atonal, like tritone jazz artists that like, you know, from Brazil that no one's heard of. Oh, okay. You know, it's like, so it's like I, there's like so much of that. So I just like hate I loathe artists like that, um, who try to like make art this like um, you know, sequestered exclusive club. Um uh and again, plenty of people who don't do that, but in general, from my experience, Did it you, was kind of like that. Did you experience that in Chicago? The, a lot of the classmates I, I went to school with, I, you know, went oh, to lovely. Chicago or New York. Um, obviously, because New York is where, you know, jazz is the biggest still, probably. Um, yeah. I mean, have you seen the movie Whiplash? I have. That, that was hands down. Like, I had a teacher that was exactly like, um, what's his face? Jake the J.K. Simmons, like, like, it was like, not even like in a dra- dramatization, like exactly, like almost like said exactly the same things. Like I won't say his name obviously, but like he, uh, he was a drum teacher. So like, thankfully I didn't have him as like a studio teacher. Like my, my guitar teacher was pretty cool, but like he would literally, like I, my classmates would be like, yeah, I just go, go to the lesson. He'd like, give me this thing to practice. And then I'd come back. Like I'd practice my ass off. I'd come in and then I'd play it. And then he's like, I played it. And then he just like turn around and start checking his email I, like say nothing, and then I'd be like, "Oh, like was there something wrong?" He's like, "He's like, if you're gonna play like shit, like stop wasting my time, get the fuck out." And we will just like, "Like come back next week." Like if you're gonna play like shit, like that, you know what I mean? Like shit like that. And he'd be like, "The most ridiculous shit." Like we, did. I had him once as like a group leader, like in a combo, like jazz combo. And he was like, "All right," he's like, "This song from like John Coltrane." He's like, "What album was it from?" And we're like, "I don't know, like Blue Train or whatever." He's like, "What? What year was it recorded?" And we're like, "Oh, I don't know, like 19, 19- 55 or something and he's like no He's like 19 or someone knew it they're like 1965 Or something he's like, like what date And we're like oh, I don't know he's like May 15th 1965 Like, you need To know this information when you go to the bandstand I'm like what the fuck would you Need to know that information <laughs> I'm pretty sure Coltrane was like thinking about The date he recorded this shit when he was up on there playing What color the shoes was sun. he wearing <laughs> Yeah <laughs> and he would like make Every, every opportunity he could to make someone feel like Shit no matter how good they were he always Took it like you did this amazing thing. He said, like, "Yeah, but you, you, you like this was shit, you know, like." And it was like, it was just, you know what I mean. It was like there's That's, so many people like that.
0: There's so <clears throat> many things I find wrong with that. And if, for starters, it just seems like fucking macho guy bullshit. Like, it fucking is. be tough. And it's like that. I had teachers similar to that, and I I think of like, <clears throat> excuse me, how many people? Were discouraged, who were great, but needed to be nurtured. It's like, you could have sc- right. hurt so many brilliant folk who were, who are wounded or figuring it out or, and it's just like, I fucking
1: hate that shit. Yeah, it's exactly, exactly. It's like this, like such an ego trip. And it's, just, it's so, such insecurity on that person's yeah. part too. Like it surely shows that like you clearly went through some shit. You never, you never like worked through. And um, yeah, it just discourages people who could create something beautiful if they just had a nurturing environment. And uh, then you only get people like that. And and again, over something so stupid, you know, like <laughs> like who gives a shit? Like you're a professor of jazz in central Illinois. Like no one knows who the fuck you are. You know what I mean? It's like, you're not even like, you know what I mean? Like you're not even like someone famous or popular. Like like if I, like nobody knows who the fuck you are. So like to act like that when you literally have nothing to show for it. Like oh great, you play the jazz drums real great. Okay, like no one gives a shit. You know like you know even most works for a sense you had like an important job or something. I mean even then you shouldn't do it. But like you know I don't know it was just so stupid. Yeah. Oh, that's... So that was a yeah long-winded answer to your, no, your question. I,
0: it, was, <laughs> it was fascinating, and it's just because I know, like I know, like Macy from Ohm does. Uh, she she plays with like Ken Vandermark, and they're like I just know there's an intermingling of indie and jazz, but it's all like improvised mostly type stuff. Mm, okay, but I do think that's yeah. an, also interesting <clears throat> when because I always think of like when is jazz always seems like a form that's supposed to keep moving forward, and when people are. I know it seems like yeah I agree it got stuck and like that over intellectualization of it is like
1: yeah like I don't know exactly over intellectualization is a good way to put it and like you're just like you're at you know back in the day jazz was more natural because that's what people listen to you know people liked jazz and nowadays your average young person doesn't listen to jazz right and they shouldn't they listen to electronic music they <laughs> EDM you know I feel like you know you know I, mean? I study guitar I love guitar more than anything I've been playing guitar my whole life I'm sick of guitar like we're guitar had its decade or its century we're, we've we said everything we need to say about the guitar It's done please move on from guitar like let's stop hearing guitar music or maybe like sampled guitar for like you know like process but like please people like guitar is you know we've had enough and I since I'm I love guitar more than anything in the world right I just think we should need, as an artist we should move forward and um I don't I don't always feel like some jazz musicians know but I feel like jazz in general does not and um yeah. So I don't know, but uh, classical is even worse. <laughs>
0: yeah. I have to there fear that possible. I, that the, uh, I don't know what you would call it. Cock rock guitar solo is coming back or something. Like I see like little bits of it and I'm like, please no. Oh really? <laughs> like, please no. Like, it's just like, we don't need another fucking 10 minute guitar solo with you. I know. thrusting your crotch in the world.
1: <laughs> oh God. I know.
0: I <laughs> I love guitar too. And I love a good, like, you know, somebody who's great, but I'm like, I, that self-indulgent bullshit. I'm like, please, no, do not. It's not ironic. Right. It's not
1: cool. <laughs> I know. It's just like, please, like we've already been there and we don't want to go back.
0: <laughs> so just just curious. Cause you say like, let's move on. So is like what you're doing and what other, are there other directions that you feel like we should be or are moving in that I'm, some may not be aware of. Maybe I'm not aware of but I don't want to be stupid.
1: No, I mean, I think, I think music is moving and I think that's the beautiful thing. I mean, I think what's, what's the most, you know, what's popular now, you know, for a while it was hip hop. It still is popular, but like, you know, it's electronic music, you know, EDM, like different electronic styles. And, you know, I feel like you see a lot of expansion. I see even more, maybe this is an accessibility thing too, but like, you know, I see a lot more like noise artists and like other genres of music that like you've never heard or couldn't even really quantify. And I think, that's been facilitated largely by the internet social media bandcamp um companies like ableton you know like the accessibility of music technology you know when i was growing up you know you, well you kind of had it when i was growing up but like you know you you mostly prior to the 90s you had you had to go to a recording studio and to pay lots and lots of money only certain people could make music at all and now you, for a couple hundred bucks you could record a top quality album maybe less honestly depending on how you do it if you're just doing electronic you could just get a copy of ableton and you just had you just do samples Like you don't even need an instrument right you don't even need an interface you could just drag in samples from splice manipulate them in ableton you know like chop up drums chop up a bass sample and like you know grab vocals from arcade you could do that in ableton for like you know 100 Ableton Light for like 100 bucks or less you know i think that's a beautiful thing and i love that about music now a lot of people complain about music now i think it's the best time ever to be an indie musician hands down um and so i think people are doing that and companies like ableton um and other companies too but like regularly spotlight artists who aren't just like grammy winner famous you know i think for a while like i'm on a lot of newsletters for music companies and like a lot of the old stodgy ones like you know pro tools universality whatever there was like feature like grammy winner 80 year old engineer white man you know like who's like 50 grammys and like produce all these famous people i'm like that's great i mean that's awesome i i do like to hear those interviews too but i'm like you know that's great but like you know i'm not going to do what chris lord Algie does you know the mix engineer for beyonce like i like to hear from like this random artist in like you know south africa or this random artist in berlin who's doing like electronic music and sampling like a river creek and pulling into ableton like i'm like that's awesome i was like i don't really see as many people doing that you know and i feel like a lot of other companies are promoting that it's easier to promote yourself so i think i think it's happening that's awesome I like yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad. I think it was awesome that we're talking about it.
0: I <laughs> know. Uh, I do. I find you inspiring. I, and I find that uh, within your yeah. music too. Did that sound
1: corny? Did I sound corny? No, no. Thank you. Okay. I was going to say, I, I don't know if I pushed it enough with my music because I make pop, but like, um, but yeah, I mean, I tried to obviously.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was curious because you don't, do you ever work with a band or is it all just you? I don't. For mostly financial reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I wish I could remember the video I saw from a, in a, from some blog today, but it looked like you were playing in, like, the front room, sunroom of an apartment in Chicago. It looked very Chicagoy. Mm, uh, yeah. And you were playing yes, yes, yes. a guitar behind your head at one point. Oh, yeah. I, I just, I'm flaking on the name of the song that was, but anyway. Yeah. I was just greatly impressed by how it sounded for, it didn't sound like one person
1: yeah I thanks <laughs> i try I try to make it yeah I try to make it so it's not just one you know it's like um again, yeah, it's like the power technology, like you couldn't do that now, you couldn't really do that. You know, unless you're a genius and had tons of money, you couldn't really do that before, you know, and um it's like relatively easy to do it now. Lots of people do it. You know, like when I started doing it even a couple of years ago, I felt like I'm like, oh, I'm like doing something innovative. And but I feel like so many artists now do that, you know, like they produce themselves at home. Like girl in red I think produces herself at home. Like there's like Kimra, like vocal artist who does like those vocal loop stuff. And um but uh wasn't say yeah this the other nice thing as someone who a side note as someone who played in tons of bands before it is so nice to be a solo artist because you don't have to worry about scheduling. You don't have to worry about booking practice rooms. You don't have to worry about noise necessarily. Cause you know, what I can do is like I'll plug it into an interface. Um, I get to keep all the money, biggest one, <laughs> you know, like I'll, 100% of the profit. I keep all of it, you know? So it's like, I'm only able to make a living because I do everything myself. I don't have to pay any, almost anybody. I mean, I, I literally do everything. I mix it myself. I master it myself. I promote myself. I do my own distribution. I do like, everything myself so like um other than like my photography and video which my partner helps me with but um uh so yeah like it's like yeah it's never been a better time you can totally do it that's i do because
0: i've read a little bit about you talking about like master was mastering something you learned because like you were saying that the, like an art form in and of itself and it's definitely a lot of people don't
1: master themselves do they no, that's not common. Most people don't even mix themselves. For not not only for financial reasons, but like so um I learned it about it through YouTube University, the great great equalizer. <laughs> <laughs> um you know, that's the other thing, you know, you can learn anything. It's so easy. Like you had to before you had to intern at a studio or like find people and be good at networking, and now you can just go on YouTube or buy courses. There's so many great ones, and some of them are free, you know, a lot of them are cheap because of student discounts. But anyways. Um Yeah, most people don't mix or master own songs because, you know, a lot of people just don't like to do it. They like to just produce or record the music and let someone else handle it. It's a little bit more technical. You need to learn about, like, EQ curves and, like, frequency ranges and, like, you know, like, ratio, compression ratios. Very, like, mathematical. Um, It doesn't have to be. You can kind of do it non-mathematically. but. You know, it's a little easier if you learn a little bit of the math of it. Um, but, you know, like I went to medical school, so I'm like, this, this is a walk in the park compared to that. Um, you know, so like I was like, oh, I could just learn it myself. I could save a ton of money. You save time. So many people, artists are like, oh, you know, like I'm, my songs in mixing. I haven't got it, you know, they're booked three months out, especially now because of the pandemic. I'm like, oh, I, I did it in my bedroom last week. <laughs> you, know? you know, so it's like saves time too. Mastering, even people who produce and mix themselves, they won't often master it because it's an opportunity for, to get a different perspective. Like someone who's never heard it has fresh ears can give a different perspective. People think about that for mixing too. They're like, well, you produced it. You've heard it a hundred times. You don't have this objective ear. And like, I agree, like, you know, maybe if I, again, if I had tons of money, maybe I would do that just to get the perspective. But, um, the nice thing about producing and mixing mastering is like, I kind of do them all at the same time. So like, um, I don't have to like really, like produce it all and then go back and like mix it all and then master it all. I'm kinda like mixing as I go along. And I can also make production decisions that make it easier to mix. So I'm like, oh, I won't just use this instrument because I know it'll cloud up the bass. So I'll just I'll just take it out, deal you know, from the get-go. As opposed to if you know nothing about mixing or mastering, you might produce this thing that sounds awesome, but you've like completely muddied up all these different frequency ranges in the mix and you to come in and clean it all up. You know, so um I guess another benefit of doing doing all of it, but yeah. That's cool. That's that's wild. I know and did you ever, like,
0: send it to a friend and be like, what do you think? Or do you just go on your own instincts?
1: Um, I sometimes, I mostly send it to my partner, I show it to her, and it's like, between the two of us, it's like, if we both think it sounds good, then I'm like, all right, we're good to go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's good to have a, a partner that you trust creatively, because I have that, and it's like... Oh, good. Sometimes she's irritated with me. She's like, you're asking me this? I'm like, well... <laughs> because I don't trust I sometimes I get insecure and I don't trust myself so I'm like I just need like a yes or no
1: am I being stupid yeah yeah I know it's so helpful it's so awesome to like have um a partner like that and yeah it's really helpful like you you have to have some perspective you know I guess you don't have to I I always avoid saying always have to impossible because I feel like every time you say that instantly someone breaks that rule and finds like massive success. You know, I feel like it's like a universal rule. It's like every time someone says like you can't find success if you don't fill in the blank. As soon as you say it, the universe just like manifests someone who does exactly that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and I, I don't think it's a beautiful thing, but yeah.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of that here where I was talking about something I was working on and somebody was like, well, you know, they're not like buying stuff like that right now. And like, I know like, and they, he gave me this whole breakdown of food by, and I was just like, why are you doing this? Cause all you're doing right. is discouraging someone from being creative. Like you're telling them yeah. your endeavor and your idea is not worthy because the dipshits with the money who don't know shit about fuck might say no.
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. And it
0: infuriates me because I'm like, your small minded thinking is why there's so much shit in the world.
1: Right. Exactly. Like, and that's the other thing. That's again, why it's so good now. Well, relatively good now before, than before it's like, you had so many more gatekeepers like that. You literally couldn't release music unless you went through a label and they had to get okay, you had to get it okay. And like, do they do we think this is gonna sell? Like us, you know, rich white men in suits, like do we think it's gonna sell, you know, based on their own perspective of the world? And then now you don't have to do that. You can just be like, This is the shit. And then people who like it like it, and people who don't don't, you know? And so um yeah, again, not everything's perfect, but it's just so much easier.
0: Are you without label? I did not look. I know you I know you No, God. yeah.
1: God, I'm like that's great. pretty standard not with a label I've had some like little things here and there people reached out but they were always like terrible deals like I don't know how you if you know how the label system works but it's like the worst thing in the world it's like it's so exploitative it's basically a glorified bank loan um and almost worse in some ways actually and uh yeah like um, some artists definitely benefit and if you want to reach like a beyonce level or something you know like you probably do need a label probably um but like most people don't most people can do it themselves and keep all their money and own their music and not have to answer to somebody and be at the whim of this like awful corporation <laughs> um that treats you like a number on a ledger line you know yeah i'm surprised
0: <clears throat> i'm surprised Exists as much as it still does And I have some friends who run smaller labels And I think they're more like Mm -hmm. They're passionate And wanting to facilitate and help Opposed to being greedy Greedy white guys in suits as you said Right, yeah And I, I, I don't know It seems like people don't need it as much anymore
1: yeah, definitely. And I, it's, from what I've heard, again, I, I'm not a label artist, but like, it's the labels have have really shrunk a lot. Part of it, you know, like in New York, there used to be a ton of labels here. Now that they've a lot of them dried up and and or have moved to LA, um, and yeah, it's just like yeah, people don't really need them. There are some really cool small indies. Again, like there's some label artists who are awesome. There's some labels who are lots of individual people who work for labels are awesome, but like in general, it's like such an archaic model. That's largely exploitative, um, does not benefit the artists in general. Um, yeah, I'm always blown away when I still hear artists who are like, oh, yeah, it's my dream to sign a label. I'm like, why? <laughs>
0: it's, <just that laughs> like, it's, it's like that thing of like you think you got to go to college, get married and have two kids. Like it's yeah, it's just these yeah. things you get conditioned. Because I did that with my career where I was like, well, I guess I go right for Conan O'Brien now. And it was like, or try. And it's like, mm-hmm. why? I don't want to. I know, didn't do that. That's what the other people I knew did.
1: But, right exactly
0: and it seems like i've heard from a lot of other artists too like a lot of these independent labels that you think are hip fuck you just as much as the big ones oh my god
1: yeah they always they always they want you to sign so they'll tell you whatever you want to hear like oh you're the greatest thing since whatever we believe in you we have your full support um, but then like but then if you actually read what they're signing away you know you're signing away the rights almost always unless you're already a superstar coming in and you have a lot of leverage you know you are signing away the rights to your music they own your music for eternity they own your publishing usually even too you get 15 percent back of what you make they have the ability to tell you whether or not you can release music like you could you could write 10 songs Right, like, these are the best songs 10 songs i've ever written they can say like, we don't like them write 10 more and never and you, you legally cannot release them and then like if your first album flops you know like you don't recoup your advance the advance is like the money they give you a front like hey we'll give you like hundred thousand dollars or half a million dollars to record your album live whatever. If you don't recoup that amount in your profits, they just drop you and they still own your music. You can't legally release music ever again in your life. Um and your music career is over basically. Like you, you're legally your music career is dead. Um and it could have maybe seen a life. Maybe you made 300000 dollars to now, but you didn't meet your advance. Like if you dot sign a label, you'd be you have three hundred thousand dollars now. And now your career's dead, and you you have zero money and you, you can't ever release music again. Um, it's just like it's it's just absolutely insane. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Um <laughs> Um, especially with tiktok too so once i get my soapbox i go on forever like tiktok is such a boon for indie artists like you know so many indie artists me especially you know you can reach so many people
0: thank you so much (laughs) and enjoy your new york day yeah have a
1: wonderful afternoon i'll talk to you later bye
0: Thank you very much for listening to Conversations with Dwyer. Please become a Patreon subscriber. Also, rate and review the show and tell your friends about the show. The best advertising and the best thing you could do to help me is tell people to listen to the show. Thank you very much and have a good day.